welcome to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. My name is Callie and I'm your co-host and I'm here with my girl Elise. Hello. Hello. So we have a confession to make. (laughs) Are you ready to be honest? Yes. Okay. So y'all, we've actually never met. I know. That sounds crazy. I know. I told Carl uh, that we had never met before, and he was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> that's literally so – especially because we both are from South Lake, too, that you would think that we had met in person before, but we never had. Well, one of us is older, remember. <laughs> so we are recording in person today. In the real – in the real flesh. I know. And we're both having juices together from yes. our juice cleansing. <laughs> well, I'm not cleansing. I don't know if you are anymore either. No. But she was like, take a juice. Take five. Take yeah. all the juices. Please so take them. Mine is kale, kiwi, apple, and lemon. Mine's called Eternal Life, and it's pineapple, orange, and ginger. It's actually my favorite one. This is the only one that I've been drinking. Oh, okay. So... Today's going to be weird. Um, so I know I started out with our little tagline, you share us, or you share with us um, your juiciest stories and we dish on them. But today we actually don't have any stories. So I know, don't turn it off. Everyone's yeah. Like, okay, pause next. Like, unsubscribe. Don't, don't do that because I think we, we made a promise to you guys, I think the first episode, that like we were always going to be honest with you. And while we've definitely tried, we also have had to put up boundaries and been like, you know... We had to be careful about what we shared, when we were ready to share it, and all of that. So today, we feel like we're ready to have an honest conversation with you guys and figured instead of trying to give someone else advice while we are also trying to be honest with you guys, we didn't want... We want to make sure that everyone who writes into us gets like the full attention from Mm -hmm. this podcast. And so I didn't think that was fair to kind of honestly half-ass it with someone's story. We really wanted... um, yeah, to take this time to be, to share with you guys. Yes, I'm excited for today. I think (laughs) this is like a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. And I think that it's a very important one because of just the statistics. Once you know the statistics, it's like wild to just think that there's probably so many people out there who are struggling. So we're sharing. We're sharing. So today we're going to be talking about infertility. And something that both of us actually struggle with. So this is what I referenced a few podcasts ago that I was dealing with some health stuff. And my, yeah, so I found out that I have infertility issues. We will get to that. And then Elise has already been pretty open about her journey. Um, But we're going to maybe get into some other details just so y'all know kind of where our headspace has been for the past, what, God. Yeah. Um, But also to, you know, give permission to anyone else who's struggling with this. We are going to do another podcast in the future where we actually bring on an expert guest and we kind of get more into it. But today we wanted to share with you guys what we're going through. Yeah. I think that that, I mean, we're all about vulnerability and wanting our listeners and obviously blush community to feel like they know us and feel safe with us. And so that's what today is going to be about. And it's probably going to be the hardest podcast that I've recorded. I mean, this is just like really personal. So it is. is. So where do we want to start? Fuck. I don't 200 years ago. (laughs) What feels like, um, do you want to start? I can start. Okay. Okay. 
So we started our like journey, I guess. I don't even know when it started because honestly, I haven't been on birth control in a long time. <laughs> and you kind of like, I, I kind of figured out like, hey, like that's weird that I haven't had any like whoops or like scares or anything, like just nothing's happening. And we weren't trying, but I realized if y'all, I don't know if y'all know this, but like not being on birth control and still not like actively trying means you're trying. Mm -hmm. So when people are like, how long's your journey been? It's like, I haven't been aware of this, but it's been like four or five years, Yeah, <laughs> which is, which is a little embarrassing, but I don't think a lot of women realize that. So I wanted to start there that I've actually been going through this for you know five years without realizing I was going through it. Um, and essentially what's really interesting about infertility is I think this is what kind of woke me up to the fact that our bodies are so connected and meaning if something's not working with infertility for my body, at least in then other things weren't working well, mm-hmm. um, as well. So the meds that I was adjusting to were thyroid medication. I'm going to have to take this for the rest of my life. I got on the synthetic version, which turned me into the same. <laughs> So bad. It was so bad. And then actually, funny enough, Elise is on a natural thyroid uh, medication and she turned me on to that. So I am now on Armour Thyroid and basically my progesterone, which is the hormone that sustains the pregnancy, is abysmal. It's like basically not even there. Um, However, I do ovulate naturally. So I'm just putting it all out there. So there's like so many edge cases that you can fall under. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into what you can do to advocate for yourself. But basically, the more information you have, the better. So I would recommend everyone to start tracking their stuff. Even if, honestly, even if you're not even trying or don't even want to try at any point in the future, it's still good to have a sense of what your body's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because my thyroid levels were all in range, which is really interesting. Um, so I was lucky enough to have a doctor, which I'm going to get into how I chose my doctor and a little backstory on me that most of you guys don't know about. Mm. Um, but she listened to me and was like, Oh, like, I don't, I don't like those symptoms. Like I've put on weight and I can't get it off. My nails split. My hair is a frizzy mess. I could usually take a nap at 3 PM every day if I so desired. I just thought that was getting older. (laughs) My doctor was like, Lady, what has Los Angeles done to you? That's like, you know, turn 30 and deteriorate. And I was like, oh, I guess you're right. So it was, you know, it was good to know to have someone that, to listen to me, even though the level said I was fine. Um, but she said, no, you're not. So that's step one. Um, I'm getting actually a surgery, which I think is dramatic. I would prefer to call it a procedure in a week to remove a polyp, which is also getting in the way. And then after that, I'm probably going to have to start a drug called Clomid, which helps basically have you have a stronger ovulation. Um, I've heard that also turns you crazy. So get ready. I I took that once and it was literally awful. I mean, I say this not to scare you because I mean plenty of people go on it but I have been through two rounds of IVF and the injectable medications were not as bad as what I like responded to Clomid I I, like woke up in the middle of the night and was like sweating my that's the worst part honestly it's just the hot flashes like Mm -hmm. I just don't do well with like body temperature regulation and that was just like the worst part for me but Mm -hmm. so to go okay I'm gonna Y'all, this is going to be a ride and just like bear with me, but I've actually done IVF injections before and it's not because I was trying to get pregnant. It's because I was an egg donor. This is literally the coolest 
story ever. <laughs> and if you're curious about it, there's actually a documentary. I had, I forget what it was, but I think Callie and I were texting and I was like, yeah, Carl, this was like two years ago or something. Probably. Else. And I was like, yeah, Carl and I are about to go through IVF. And you were like, oh, like go walk. I don't know. You were talking about it. I was like, oh, did you go through IVF? And you were like, kind of. Yeah. But I was like, what does this mean? Like, <laughs> I'm confused. But so tell your story. This yeah. is like the most beautiful story I've ever heard in my entire life. Okay. So I actually got involved with this. This is like, I'm going to start at the very beginning, but I had like a friend who I'm very much no longer friends with. So if you're listening and you know who you are, um, but she kind of recruited me to become an egg donor. I didn't realize at the time she was like taking a fee. It's like <gasps> kind of, yeah, it's disgusting. Anyway, so no longer friends with her. Not even just because of that. Honestly, she's other reasons but regardless I I'm not even mad at her though because she got me into this thing and I met Trish so you know I I met this woman who now I call one of my best friends easily and she is a breast cancer survivor and so it's what's what a lot of people this is what I also just a side note whenever someone says why don't you just adopt or like just relax or whatever it's like you don't know the context. Trish mm -hmm. literally could not adopt. She was barred from it because, as they say, the intended parent should have a good statistic quality of a long life or whatever. Which, what the hell does that even mean? Like, anyone could get hit by a bus on any given day. It's mm -hmm. just ri ridiculous. So her only route to having a child was going to be through a surrogate egg donor situation. She selected me as her egg donor. I was 26. I just thought the whole thing was like so fascinating. She wanted to put, had cameras on the whole time, not only to educate people on egg donation, but also on what does IVF look like? What does it look like for a cancer survivor to navigate this? She sometimes was judged that she was a cancer survivor and going through this and wanting to have a child. People called it selfish. I mean, just absolute bonkers. Of course, I felt the exact opposite. I was so attracted to her. What ambition? <laughs> she decided that she was going to take, you know, life by the horns, really, and just go for it and make it happen. So I, I just feel really honored and blessed to know her, but also to be involved. Um, so if you want to watch the documentary, it's mm -hmm. called Love Always Mom. It's on Amazon Prime. All the proceeds from the documentary that they earn, including from Amazon, goes towards metastatic breast cancer research. Um, they've also provided a grant for another family who um, I think she's a cancer survivor to go through the egg donation and, and surrogacy process. It's really great. So um, Grayson is, I think he's turning five. That's wild. I know. And even more, I'm going to do a shameless plug. What's even cooler is Trish's husband, Greg, and we're all very close. I mean, Trish was a bridesmaid at my wedding. <laughs> she, she did a reading from um, the Velveteen Rabbit. Stop. It's so sweet. But anyway, Greg, who we also adore, was the screenwriter, or sorry, is the screenwriter for Mortal Kombat. Oh my which gosh. is out right now on HBO Max and in theater. So everyone should go see it. It's like, I mean, he's been a screenwriter for a long time, but this is the first one that's been made. This is very common. A lot of people work in movies for forever and nothing they actually work on gets made. It just kind of happens. So anyway, it's really been fun to see his work come to fruition and we went to go see it. So I actually just saw her. Sorry, I know I'm talking a lot and I promise Elise is going to be no, talking. No, no, no. This is such a good story. But it was, it was so, I... So I chose a fertility doctor that I already knew because she had done my scans whenever mm -hmm. I was going through this for Grayson. And so I wanted to work with someone I already knew. And so um, she, I actually don't know how Trish and Carrie know each other, but they're like kind of friendly. And so 
I just felt weird hiding this from Trish. And so I was like, hey, like Trish, I just want to talk to you. Like I'm seeing Carrie. I'm having a hard time getting pregnant. And like, guys, her response immediately was like, is it hard for you to see Grayson? Like, just be honest with me. Is it tough? I know. Like, do, do you need a break from me? Like, do you want oh. me to support you or do you want me to take a step back? Oh, I know. Guys, I like was basically crying at the table and I was like, suck. Because we went to go see the Mortal Kombat premiere and so afterwards um, we were, you know, getting drinks. It was very fun. We were all vaccinated. We were having a blast. But like her initial response was just so sweet and so supportive. Um, but the honest answer is, is no. The only thing that kind of irked me, which I was, I was honest with her about, is I looked back at my numbers when I was 26 and they were really bad. So I have low AMH, which means my ovarian reserve is shit, which means biologically I probably read more like a 38, 40-year-old. Um, and so a few things really triggered me during this journey. One, I hate paying for shit that should be free. Hate it. Like people have babies all the time. It's totally free for them. And it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. That's the part I can't get over. I'm like, wait, you guys just like actually got to have sex with your husband and have a baby? <laughs> like how does that work? Yeah. I, yeah. So, I mean, everyone has their trigger, right? Mine is like, it, this should be free. This is so frustrating. Um, and so the other thing that sucks is that my AMH is really low, which means I can't afford to wait. I honestly think I might have been one of those women who would have been really happy to wait till she was 38. And I see those women, I applaud them, and I'm like, hell yeah. But not everyone has that luxury. Mm -hmm. I know we've heard the time is ticking, the time is ticking. But to me, I was like, I'm 32. Like, sure, maybe I should start thinking about it, which is what we did. We were like, mm -hmm. okay, we should start. Um, but I found out that it's this is not a question of when. Like, this is we need to do this now. Like, I, I, I can't wait. So that... That was triggering too. And when I looked back at my numbers when I was 26, which is kind of cool that I had that data. Y'all, mm -hmm. y'all, it wasn't good then either. So I told Trish that. And apparently everyone listening, I want you to know that birth control impacts those numbers, but they're not sure how much. Mm -hmm. So everyone thought that it was just birth control that was mm -hmm. impacting those numbers and they were artificially low. It turns out that was not the case. Those mm -hmm. were my real numbers. And so I should have, I should have known. Now at 26, was I ready for a kid? Fuck No. <laughs> I don't really know. There was this is Andrew's point. It's like, well, what would we have really changed? And it's like, well, I might have changed some things. I don't know. It's hard. It, I just would have liked to know, but no one could have. It would it just would have induced panic. They didn't know yeah. for sure. Like I totally get it. And Trish was like, oh yeah, I remember your numbers weren't awesome, but we were told it was fine and it would probably be okay. Um, and she was like, and it didn't matter because we were obsessed with you and we had this amazing relationship and this is what we wanted. And Grayson. Oh my god, he's one cute kid. You he guys. is so cute. <laughs> he's so cute. Y'all can so y'all can actually go um, if you um, search for like Love Always Mom, you're gonna find their Instagram and everything. Trish is like an open book, and I've always been so in awe of how she just puts it all out there. So I'm really inspired by her, and that kind of for me was like, okay, maybe I should just be open and honest about this. Yeah, bring your tissues because Carl and I, this was this was when we first started our IVF journey. So we were like excited and like, you know, you're like pumped to do something before you actually like start the journey. So we were like reading and we watched the documentary and we were both bawling by the end of it. It is pulls on your heartstrings like no other. It's so great. Yeah, Trish did it. So Trish, Trish was also the producer and the director. She was did. she? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like oh my God, Mighty Mouse. Them. Yeah, she's Mighty Mouse. Uh, she's also teeny tiny. So anyway, 
anyway, that's kind of, hopefully you're up to speed with me. I'm sure I left some things out. If you have questions, honestly, I think we as women just need to start talking about this stuff. Now, that's not to put pressure on anyone who's not ready. I was not ready a month or two months or whenever I first was like, well, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going through it. Um, but I, you know, I don't want to put pressure on anyone to feel like they have to share. But at the same time, I encourage those who want to and feel like they can't to just put it out there because so like I can count. I, th I feel like all of my close friends, more of them, there is a larger percentage of them that have had fertility struggles mm. than haven't. Yes. Like we're all in this together. Um, Okay, so I'm done rambling. No, I'm that was queuing, so I'm queuing good. Elise in. It was so good. I just this the thing about having like the majority of your friends struggling is, <laughs> oh my dog. She we're in. Okay, she's gonna be crazy, but it's fine. We're navigating a zoo over here. Carl and I got a new puppy literally yesterday, so we have three dogs. So just bear with us. Um, but yeah, the statistics are crazy. One in eight women actually, or I should say couples, one in eight couples struggle with infertility issues. And another topic- I feel like it's higher than that. I do too, honest, or lower, like the- Oh, the I feel number. like it's one in four. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I'm serious when I say out of all my friends, like, yeah, over half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah. And so another, you know, so that's the fertility aspect, but another aspect that is like so close to home is the- statistic of how many people have pregnancy loss, which is one in four, which I mean, it's just been, I don't even know like where to start with my journey because it's literally been so much, but another, I mean, and last month was uh, national infertility awareness month. So that's why we kind of wanted to, yeah, we were going to record this earlier so that we could release it within the month of April, but for reasons you're, you're probably understanding now, it's yeah. just a little too close to home for me. And it was definitely too close to home for Elise, so we wanted to give ourselves some space. Yeah, which I think is always important. But, um, yeah, so another thing that I didn't really realize and that is kind of triggering to me, honestly, when people – because I've been super open about our journey, too, and, you know, random people check in and follow on social media and they'll ask questions, which I love. I think opening up the space to have the conversation is really important, but – 50% of infertility comes from the woman and then 50% comes from the man, which I was totally unaware of. I assumed that all infertility issues were related to the woman before we started our journey. And Carl... Well, that's the narrative though. That's yeah. what they tell you. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. For Carl and I, it was actually issues on both ends. So we were one of the lucky couples to get in the like small percentage of like, oh no, you're both fucked. So <laughs> for us, it was just me. Just yeah. me. I have to carry that burden, but that's okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's such a hard, there's so many layers to it, but. Oh, and men getting tested is a joke. Yeah. You guys, it costs a hundred dollars. There are actual like companies out there where you can just like boop, 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 put your sample in the mail, in the mail, and they'll tell you everything. Like guys, it is not like that for women. I know. No, it's that. I mean, it's such an invasive process for women. Like every every part of it, you're either ingesting medicine or having a surgery or having shoved up your. Oh my god! <laughs> I went to the gynecologist. Um, I don't know, like maybe a couple weeks ago, and she was like, "Oh, like I'll give you some time to like change." I'm like, "No, no, no, it's okay. Like, let me just take off my pants really quick." She's like, "Oh, are you like an IVF 
girl? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, those girls just drop it real quick. They have no shame. I'm like, listen, the amount of people who have seen my hoochie, I can't even count. So it's fine at this point. But anyways, um, Carl and I started our journey maybe like two and a half years ago. We started trying... Um, before we were married, because we both knew that we really wanted to have kids. Carl's thirty; he's 36. So he obviously was like, I want to, you know, get in there, have kids right away. So we had no idea that it was going to be a struggle for us. But we started trying, I think in June, three years ago. So coming up on three years. And my mom ended up, I mean, Fast forward a little bit, we found a clinic because it obviously wasn't working naturally and we just wanted some testing done. I've had a lot of chronic health issues, so I automatically assumed like, oh, it's just going to be an issue. I have a thyroid problem. I have, you know, the long list of health, chronic health issues. So we went, we got some testing. We found out that there was some issues both on Carl and I's end. So they gave us a 1% chance of uh, conceiving naturally and said that IVF was really like our only option. So the clinic that we were originally at was one that my mom had found. Um, and her interior designer actually had her two boys at this doctor's office, like, I don't know, 15 years prior. So he was one of like the first people in DFW and he had really, um, like low rates, which I think we were obviously attracted to. So we went there did a first round of IVF. It was an absolute clusterfuck. He, through the process, I feel like there's so many details that I'm just like, this could go on for hours. But the first round, we were only able to get three eggs because there's something called a trigger shot that basically releases all of your eggs before you get the egg retrieval surgery. And one is called Lupron, and then one is um, HCG, which is actually the pregnancy hormone. And Lupron works for 80% of people. Um, I happened to be one of the 20% of people that it didn't work for. So out of the 15 follicles that we got, that we had throughout the process, we only were able to get three eggs, um, one embryo, and we transferred that right away um, for a fresh transfer, and I got pregnant, and um, we found out that we lost the pregnancy. It's called a chemical pregnancy, which I really don't like that term. because it's insensitive. Yeah, but um, our first levels came back positive, and then our second levels dropped, Um, and since that was our only egg, we had to go through the process again, and since there was fault on the doctor's end, he told us that he would give us like a super low rate to do a second round. So this, I mean, I always say like follow your intuition and your gut instinct because there was absolutely a part of me that was like, no, this doesn't feel right. He didn't listen to me. He, I told him I had a list of chronic health issues and he like did not listen to anything that I was saying. So we ended up staying for the sake of financial because it's fucking expensive. It's expensive and most insurance doesn't cover jack shit. Nothing. Like nothing. So yeah, I, I, I get it. Like you want to follow your intuition, but you also want to be practical and not yeah. bankrupt yourself in the process. Totally. So we did a second round and, um, yeah, she, um, we did a second round and stayed with the same doctor for like a lower cost. And 
Our second round, we actually got 13 eggs, which was way better than the first time. We changed up my protocol a little bit. And out of that, we got three embryos. It's really crazy because every step of the process, um, you are expected to lose about 50% of what you're working with. So if you're starting out with 20 follicles and you get 20 eggs, then, you know, the time from eggs to fertilization, fertilization to blastocyst stage, which is what is an embryo. And then from that genetic, like which ones are genetically normal or not. And then, you know, there's a decrease. You can expect about 50% each step of the process that you go through. Ooh, I so, don't know. Watch the documentary. Mine really dropped. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's scary. It's so anxiety provoking. Oh my God. And you have to wait. The waiting game is the worst because you like have the surgery, you find out how many eggs you get, you find out how many fertilize the next day. Then you have to wait five days to see how many actually make it to embryo stage. And then if you get them genetically tested or not, which is a whole other topic, which is just a clusterfuck. My doctor at the first clinic recommended that we did not do genetic testing at all, which after our first loss, we should have absolutely like that. It's no question. But when you're going to a doctor, you forget, like, they're the experts. Yeah. So you go in with like, you know, big bright eyes. Like I have a solution. I'm so excited. And they're like, Oh, you don't need to jump over these hurdles. And mm-hmm. no, no, no. Like it's easy to understand why anyone would have been like, okay. And hindsight is 2020. Yeah. First, I mean, I've learned so much from this process. So if literally anyone is listening and they're like, in the trenches of this, like, please reach out because I feel like Callie and I, with both of our heads combined, could, like, literally be doctors. <laughs> I, as I said, I have my MD from Reddit. Reddit is also the place to go if yeah. you have any questions about this. My fertility doctor, I love you, Carrie, was like, okay, you're obnoxious, but you are well-informed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I didn't hit that point of, like, okay, shit, I actually need to, like, start getting my shit together and like doing my own research until after our second loss. So from our second round, we got three embryos. We did a frozen transfer because we did some procedure called an ERA, which um, basically tells you when your uterus is most receptive to an embryo. And of course, 80% of people fall within the normal range. I was obviously one of the 20% who fell outside. So at this point, I'm like... (laughs) I am not the normal, if there's people who fall within the general, you know, consensus, I am always the outlier. So that's just something I've learned through all of this. But so we did that. We did a frozen transfer um, and I ended up having a second loss. And so I, my doctor at the first clinic was like, oh, let's just try again. No worries. Let's just go straight into another transfer because we had two embryos left. And I demanded to have like a recurring miscarriage blood panel and that actually came up that I have a blood clotting disorder which they think was the cause of the second loss because that embryo was graded like perfectly so after that I just we were planning on staying at the first clinic and then um but we obviously took some time off I think we took six months off and then we decided to go back once I started my cycle again um in this January this January yeah and met with my old doctor and it was just I something within me was screaming like get the fuck out like do not do this again with this doctor so We ended up changing clinics, which is 
such a stressful process. You literally have to get a cryo tank and pick up your embryos and then drive them to a new clinic, which we did. We love our new clinic. He's amazing. We found out about him um, through one of our really good friends, and she actually just gave birth to twins through this clinic and this doctor, so we were really hopeful that um, it was going to work, and for our next transfer, because we had two embryos left, I sh I'm sure I'm, like, losing people, because it's so confusing, I'm, like, ping-ponging back and forth, but, um, so yes, so we ended up switching clinics, love our new doctor, had a new protocol for transfer, we ended up transferring our last two embryos in February, oh my gosh, I feel like, you know when you, like, feel like you're going to cry, and it's, like, feeling in your throat, <laughs> Um, so yeah, we transferred our last two embryos. Oh my gosh, I'm, I knew it's this okay. was going to happen. It's okay. It's okay. Um, in February and one of them stuck. It was like such a miracle because it was like all my numbers were perfect. Everything looked amazing. And we ended up making it to the second trimester before we found out that our baby was really, really sick, um, which obviously ended in a loss I don't think I'm like at the place I'm like already tearing up but I don't feel like I can go into all the details but um maybe I nor should you ever yeah Just, it's like I know people say chemical pregnancy and it we both hate that term but like it I don't know there's just an easier recovery too when it's that early and it's it's, it's traumatic. I mean, for so many reasons when yeah. you hit a later. Which, I mean, a loss is a loss is a loss. Yeah. I, I can remember people asking me, like, oh, well, how far along were you with my first two losses? Which the first one was, like, five weeks and the second one was literally a couple, like, maybe six weeks. So it was not that far into it. But every time I someone asked me that question, I felt the need to, like mm – -hmm. I wish that it was longer, so I had, like, justification. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. a loss of so much potential. It's a loss of all of the work that you put into it. Ugh. It's a loss of all of the dreams that you had. It's a loss of that moment when mm -hmm. you saw the, preg the pregnancy test that was positive and, like, the excitement. I mean, that's why we just don't really love the term chemical pregnancy. That's, that's a miscarriage, guys. Yeah. That is a miscarriage. But I will say, like, you know, making it to – the second trimester and we we had plenty of scares along the way Callie had multiple one in the morning text messages like are you awake I'm freaking the fuck out I'm bleeding help me like thank god for Callie truly but um yeah this second I mean this is our third loss but by far it has completely wrecked Carl and I I mean your body changes I had a bump and now I don't you know it's like so many things beyond just like, the, I mean, it's, there's, it's so much, it's literally a loss and you know, you feel like you have a huge hole in your heart that you're trying to fill obviously with a puppy named Millie. Okay guys, she's really cute She though. is cute, but you know, it's just, I mean, it's really hard and I could, I probably could do a whole series on pregnancy loss because, you know, in this last time, like, there has been three people, Callie included, and Carl, and my mom, that have know me so well that know how to support me. But there's also been a lot of, like, I, I want to isolate myself because, one, I don't want to have to – like, so many people being like, oh, how are you? How are you doing? And I'm like, fucking off. 
<laughs> like, what do you mean? You know? And so it's just, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. And it's no one, like we talked about, no one knows what to say. Yeah. A lot of deer in the headlights. I mean, gosh, I have people that just absolutely bundle, like are horrible. When I start talking about it, I'm like, oh, whoops, you've clearly never been a considerate human being. Why am I talking to you about this? <laughs> but then there are other people that just absolutely nail it. And I think it's one of the gifts that women have is there's so many of us who have been through a semblance of this. I've never had a loss because my body is not actually set up to get that far. But I'm like terrified of it because the pain that is so acute that you can pick up from other people when they talk about it. I was just talking to someone um, actually this weekend who had a loss at 10 weeks and it Mm. was just, she was trying to play it off and I'm like, stop. That's devastating. That's like absolutely world crushing devastation. And you can admit that and and share that with me. It's okay. Like we don't have to pretend like we're soldiers and warriors through this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, God, I don't even have the words. It's honestly like, it's just so to fight for something for so long and then to like, like I always talk to Carl. I feel like I tell him like, I feel like I'm climbing Mount Everest and I'm literally like about to like touch the flag at the top. And then someone just like drop kicks me down and I'm back down at the bottom with no resources, exhausted. And I have to like start all over again. And so, you know, we're at that place now. And to be honest, I don't even give a fuck. I'm just like, I don't even have the mental capacity to even like think what our next steps are right now. I mean, like people, I think, try to help and say like, oh, like you do another round or adoption. And I'm like, I don't even, I can't even think about spending another 20 grand right Mm -hmm. now to go through all of that. I mean, the one, I mean, I feel like I have so many like lessons that I have learned and the first one is like IVF does not guarantee you a baby IVF guarantees you a higher chance at a baby but it does not guarantee you a baby I think my other lesson would be like if your intuition and your gut is telling you to get the fuck out or to find another doctor or that you know something is not right for you like you are the expert of your body. You're the expert of your journey. Doctors are just there to be helpful. But if you feel like they're not being helpful and they're being more harmful, like find someone new. I think what kept me in situations longer than what, you know, longer than it served me for and I needed to get out was because it felt like switching clinics would delay the process, you know, like switching, switching protocols or like, you know, delaying anything was just not an option. And I think when you finally surrender the timeline in your mind of like when you're going to have the baby, I feel like then it's, it's still hard as fuck, but then you have more freedom, I think, and, and peace. I, I don't even know what the words I'm trying to find, but just surrendering to the timeline and expectation that you had in your mind, I think makes it a little bit easier because every delay, every, you know, change felt like complete devastation all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there's nothing worse than feeling like you're not moving forward, especially yeah. when something's that hard. And I think the biggest lesson I learned is like, don't be afraid to start taking yourself seriously early. Like mm-hmm. there's this whole thing that doctors won't see you until you've been quote trying for a year. And I thought that meant doing the ovulation tests and you know, 
taking your temperature every morning. Yeah, that's something you have to do. And you, like, can't even move before mm-hmm. you, like, take your temperature. So then they, like, have you wear these, like, there's wearables, but they cost, like, $150. I mean, you guys, it's just, like, out of control how much women have to do. And that's what you have to do in order to justify, like, trying. Well, it turns out, I was like, fuck that. I've been off birth control for God knows how long. Like, I'm going to, that's a year. That's more than a year. Mm-hmm. And my, my um, OBGYN completely tried to dismiss me even after I had learned my AMH level and she tried to act like it was no big deal and I knew that she had frozen her eggs I was like I literally go what was your AMH level like what prompted you to freeze your eggs her number was the same as mine it was actually higher and I was like lady like get the fuck out of here like I'm I don't that's a good question yeah I I don't care she didn't have to tell me but she did stupid like (laughs) Because I just looked at her like, are you freaking serious right now? So, I mean, the point being, like, I just decided I'm taking this into my own hands and I'm going to do, I made Andrew get tested. I got tested, you know, early-ish. I probably would have loved to have kind of researched what my numbers meant when I was 26. But regardless, like, just knowing what you, what I know now about my body is Mm -hmm. such, I'm just armed with knowledge and I, I know so much more. And I just, again, the illusion of control, people. Like, infertility mm-hmm. is the biggest trigger when it comes to feeling out of control. My my new doctor, I mean, by the time we, were, we went to him, I was already so deep into our journey. And I obviously went there with papers and, you know, questions and knowledge. And he goes... <laughs> He goes, oh, like, you're, you don't like Ubers, do you? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, how do you know that? And he's like, because you look like someone who likes to be the driver. And he's like, just to let you know, neither of us are the driver in this, in this journey. And I was like, fuck. (gasps) Damn it. Oh my gosh. I I love that. Yeah. Carrie calls me a little tightly wound. I literally had a printout of every supplement I was on the brand. Because that's the other thing. When you first go into this, they're like, take vitamin B and you'll Mm. be fine. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's not how this works. But I'm like... Supplements went my health. Like I'm taking selenium now and all of the things. <laughs> all the shit. So Carrie looks at me. She goes, "Well, I'm not going to put you on any more supplements." And I'm, <laughs> I was like, "Stop making fun of me. I'm doing everything I yeah. can in my control to to make this easier." Yeah. I, I mean, I think that the the lack of education, it just in you know reproductive health as it is, is so limited and then you know considering how much can go wrong and how many factors are at play who knew that thyroid had anything to do with getting pregnant like crazy and hormones are like the most sensitive I mean you're like hormone adrenals and all of that are so sensitive to stress to food to dehydration to literally all of the things and what I learned I thought that this was very interesting I forget who told me this but of all of the systems in our body, every single one is wired for survival except for your reproductive system. And so when you're under large amounts of stress, whether that's physical stress from chronic illness, you know, mental stress from work and life or emotional stress from, you know, anything that can happen in life, the first system that kind of drops off and, you know, kind of goes idle is your reproductive system, which then impacts all of your hormones and your cycle. And so, you know, I've been under stress for six years physically. And so 
It's still not an excuse to tell anyone trying to get pregnant to relax. Oh my god! I can Should I? Should I write a post of all of the things that have been so fucking unhelpful on on Reddit? They call it bingo. Don't bingo someone, and it's god. like the the things that you hear all over and over again. Well, like, well, you know, stress isn't good for fertility, and I'm like, well, you know, my fist isn't good for your face, but it's about to happen. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not good. So I mean, all of the lessons combined, I think just you know, what Callie and I have both really come to alignment on is like, you have the capability to be your own advocate and to educate yourself. And when you do that, you feel like you have a little bit more control in a journey where you literally have none. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And find your people, find people that are going to bingo you, find people who I don't know. I, I, I've learned that in this, the more vulnerable I've been, the more I've gotten that feedback back. Like I've gotten vulnerability from others. Mm. And so even this weekend, I was with two girls that I, I don't get to see very often. They're Andrew's, you know, best friends, wives, and we don't get together as much because we live in LA. And it was just so amazing getting to hear everyone's stories and how everyone has had some, some, something that can relate to the infertility, even if it's, even if it's not IVF or even if it's not a loss or even it's not something, it's no journey is perfect. Um, well, actually not, I've got a few best friends. Yeah. Their journeys have been perfect. No, I'm quiet. <laughs> okay. Good for you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, um, but it has been like really gorgeous to have been able to feel so understood mm-hmm. and to provide that understanding for someone else as well. Yeah, I feel like that's how I make meaning out of hardship because if like I can support you and if I can support my clients mm-hmm. through this with a level of empathy that they can literally like feel, then to me I'm like fuck, that sucked that I had to go through that to be able to support people in the way that I am, but it's it's so meaningful to be that person for someone else. Yeah. So if you're listening, I hope and you're, you're struggling with infertility or you, maybe you're scared and you think there's an inkling that you might have trouble, one, just go get tested. Don't be mm-hmm. scared. But two, I hope you have felt understood. I hope that you know that you're in a safe place with us mm-hmm. and we're sending you love because, you know, we don't, we hate that people feel like they have to struggle in isolation and be alone through this. And I haven't felt alone because I've barked up everything to Elise. <laughs> Elise has not. Right back at you, babe. So, you know, find, I think the meaning that we've found through this is connection. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, I think that's a great meaning to find, even if the rest is complete shit. So with that being said, we just wanted to share this with you guys. Um, I really hope it doesn't bite us in the butt. If you have nothing nice to say, then don't say it to us. <laughs> But otherwise, we really love our blush community, and we know that you guys are amazing, and that's why we chose to share this with y'all. Yeah, and you know what? Like, the statistics don't lie. So, like, there's going to 100% be people listening to this who are going through the same thing, and if we're the only people that they can get empathy and, you know information or whatever that looks like for whoever. And we're going to have a um, follow-up with, you know – Oh, we, someone who's going to write in a a prof- and we're going to have a professional on and we're going <laughs> to like, you know, talk, 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 talk and get more details. So for now, let's go to lunch. Yes. Cause we're, we're, we can like, I can, I'm like touching, I know, touching your so shoulder. Great. So we're going to, we're going to go get lunch. Um, and 
take a deep breath because this was this was a heavy one. I think I might need like a margarita or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Mark, Mark's all around. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, remember, if, if you're struggling with infertility and you would like some advice, even though, again, we're not doctors, but maybe some coping skills or just emotional insight, write into blushyou at joinblush.com. If you are struggling with infertility and, you know, maybe you're seeing a therapist or you're scared to see a therapist, I highly recommend seeing a therapist, mm-hmm. though. But you can also join Blush, see if we can kind of be your cheerleader, um, and use promo code BLUSHU, all caps, for 25% off your first month. Um, but otherwise, again, we hungry. So yes. we're, we're going to go. We're going to skedaddle. Uh, we'll see you all next time. Love you all. Talk to you soon. Bye.